It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's tax season, so let's audit the first year of KOC and Quasi. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Start of the new week. Happy Monday. It's the Minnesota Football Party. It's Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota, Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network, and Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, the three of us covering the Minnesota Vikings from every angle here on the Minnesota Football Party. On today's show, KOC and Quazy, over a year in, let's audit them. Let's talk about one year in, where they at, We'll give scathing evaluations and maybe some occasional praise. Um, we've also got a first three round PFN mock draft simulator using Arif Hassan's esteemed website. And uh, before we get into those, I want to ask these guys in the spirit of Rudy Gobert's punch heard around the world yesterday, uh, what their favorite uh, sideline incident in Vikings history might be. But before we get into that craziness, Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. You can also find our show in myriad ways. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and we're available for free on YouTube. Locked on Sports Minnesota. Comment below. Craziest Minnesota Vikings sideline incident in franchise history. I'm racking my brains, guys. Because uh, I saw Rudy Gobert punch Kyle Anderson yesterday. My mind, with recency bias, immediately goes to Diggs and Thielen and Cousins having their little chat on the sideline. And that's far from a brawl. No one had to get separated. Those were just frustrated guys talking. And there was there was some gesturing going on. There were Kirk Cousins' arms flying in the air. <laughs> Stefan Diggs has been upset before. Um, but nothing that I can think of that amounts to a Rudy Gobert punch. So Luke Braun's the historian. Uh, can you go back in time? Take us through the time capsule. Were there any big uh, brawls between Bud Grant and Fran Tarkenton that just you know <laughs> didn't make it on YouTube? I wouldn't be surprised to hear that Norm Van Brocklin got in a fist fight with somebody. Uh, yeah, that would follow. He did yeah. get in a fist fight, fist fight with reporter Jim Klobuchar, uh, father of Amy <laughs> Klobuchar which Jim Klobuchar does reveal in a book that they actually like, like Norm Van Brocklin would threaten to fight reporters all the time. But Jim Klobuchar was like, okay, let's meet in the hotel room. Let's do this. Then and they like actually fought. Uh, but that's not that props to Jim, dude, that rule. Yeah. It's the sickest. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think Zimmer and Thomason might've done that a few times too. Maybe I still believe Zimmer and uh, North Turner came to blows and that's what happened to his eye. But the, <laughs> the ultimate conspiracy, something happened yes. like, like a, something like a happened. Kevin Gilbride, like buddy Ryan sort of thing where buddy Ryan punched out Gilbride. Cause he kept throwing the ball. Yeah. I, look that conversation. We know it went to like 3 AM Zimmer came out of it with a scratched eye on a play card. I don't know. Oh, and, we, and saw the play, we saw the play card. We saw it happen. <laughs> hey, those laminated play like cards have story. sharp edges. Yeah, uh, okay, so if here's... I came up with a lie, it would be different than a laminated play card. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so so here is the, uh, the the coolest answer belongs to, of course, Joe Cap. Okay, great. It's 1967. It was his first year. Game against Perfect. the Packers. First they year. lost 27 to 30. Um on a Joe Cap fumble at the end of the game. And Joe Cap was like, that one's on me. That was, I fumbled. That's my, that's my bad. Falls Lonnie Warwick, yeah. linebacker. Uh, and if you Google image Lonnie Warwick, this is the like meanest, ugliest looking dude ever. 
This is a dude that worked on the South Pacific Railroad in the early 60s in the sweltering heat, just absolutely god-awful, miserable labor, and then left that to go be an NF, to go try out for the Vikings. In 64, he went to go try out for an NFL team and then was a linebacker for 10 years. This dude has absolutely no regard for his own safety and has the toughness and endurance of a god. Yeah, he's got like a Uh, Superman cowlick going too. Yeah absolutely mean dude uh was like no 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 that one's on the defense that one's on the defense that's good we gave up 30 points come on it's not oh this is the dumbest reason to fight so they decided that they wouldn't let each other take credit for it and they actually got into a genuine fist fight about it uh the the only unconfirmed rumor i heard was that lonnie warwick finally won because he had to be pulled off of joe cap but they actually did fight about this after the game uh, and they came to blows. That's like very Minnesotan. I actually, I mean, that's uncomfortably it's, Minnesotan. It's incredibly Joe Cap. It's absolutely yeah, something Joe Cap yeah. would do. That's there's a lot going on here. Wow. Like because when when you pitched this before the show, Sam, I was like, there's got to be a Joe Cap story, and he's like, 100 there is. And I was like, well, it can't be the one where he fought a dude 50 years later for a grudge in a CFL game. He's like, absolutely not. Which is <laughs> also fantastic, but no, that's not a Viking story. Yeah, I mean, like in a sense, but yeah. <laughs> Honorable mention goes to Percy Harvin. Chuck I was going to say right, Percy right, Harvin. That's the one I was going to think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which is a little behind the scenes. Like, I think there's probably, we could probably come up with a few behind the scenes in fighting. Um, you know, Childress and Favre, Cold War. The Percy Does Harvin weight throw. Say what? Does horseplay count? <laughs> is this a like Chris uh, reference? Now Fahutahi getting a, a swollen eye and having to be sat out of a game because he was wrestling O-linemen? amazing wow uh, the the horse play, also, the great horseplay incident <laughs> so speaking of percy harvin this is not exactly a viking story but he did deck golden tate right before the seattle super bowl so that's right yeah right yeah that's that's adjacent <laughs> I, i've always wondered with the weight throw like how how what, close how heavy a weight do you think you could throw a meaningful Me. distance What's a meaningful distance? Like you're you're halfway across the weight room, and I my goal is to uh, have a reasonable chance of hitting you. No, I, let's say five yards, five yards, and you're feet. trying to hit a guy and have him not dodge out of the way. I like well, it's somewhere between five and twenty pounds. That's I can answer that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like five, and it's not twenty. It's it's yeah. it's, it's probably not Russ. twenty, but it's definitely Russ. more than five. Like if Percy I'm, if I'm hucking, yeah. If if I have to huck a ten pound weight, I'm doing that thing granny style, and it's not going to have enough force to do anything. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to have any control over that. I was thinking you like a shot put it right, like put. Like I, your I whole... think a two handed uh, yeah. throw with a ten pound weight gets five yards, but it's moving so slowly that. Well, okay. Run. How how concerned or... am I for my own well being? Because I can hock a ten pound weight, but I won't be able to use that arm for a while. I guess you are pretty mad. You're right. not concerned. I'm not. I'm not concerned. You're in a rage. Yeah. The right. adrenaline I, okay. is pumping. You are going to punch a wall like Jaden McDaniels. Is right. there oh, okay? One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I could. I could. I could do a ten pounder. Not. Like is there that, a self you know. injury Vikings moment? There's another Timberwolves punching angle from yesterday. It, it depends Heineke. on what your conspiracy surrounding Teddy Taylor Bridgewater Heineke. is. But oh yeah, true. The Taylor, Taylor Heineke. I was there for Teddy Bridgewater. I can debunk that. Um, Taylor Heineke. I know. I'm just though? saying there's a lot of Teddy Bridgewater conspiracies. I'm just, you know, throw that one out there. Yeah, no one believes that people were there. Like, we saw it happen. It happens right. exactly as it was reported. Why would they lie when media was there? Wow, um, it was part of the deep state. Yeah, yeah that's true. You have Sammy. accused me of such things before on this show. <laughs> well, <laughs> the... Only after every sponsor segment. Okay, well, the Scott, very opposite thing, <laughs> like the, the exact opposed thing. Was it Luke who pointed out that I now have a parody account on Twitter? You do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody made a parody account. and it, I, I don't want to bring too much attention to it, but there's, I don't a, think there's it a letter was a Q in the one. handle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's my fault. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they used the strum and extrum, and they switched the R and the O. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Sam Q Storm. Well, all right, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know proud. he's not Q now. He's part of the deep state. Yeah, very proud. I, mean, I, I, I I'm a double agent. Sides. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always come out ahead. 
All right. Uh, we are just over a year into KOC Quasi. I won't I won't belabor the tax analogy, although I do need to finish my taxes tonight. That is hanging over my head. But let's talk about this partnership. We are basically two free agency periods, one draft, one regular season into this thing. Let's break this down into contract decisions. This is more of a quasi evaluation. How would you grade him letter grade A through F on his judgment around contracts, extensions, signings in the off season, declining contracts that he, he might have signed. Um, Arif Hassan, give a letter um, grade to our boy Quasi. Right. So uh, I haven't like racked through every single contract that, uh, that has been signed in the, in the Dofamenza era. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go off of vibes on this one. Um, after kind of all of our reactions to the last two off seasons, I have felt generally pretty positive as much as I like to criticize. Right. Um, and so I would say if we separate the details from the vision, right, which, you know, there's a pretty good argument that the vision comes from ownership. If we say, Hey, competitive rebuild is the exact right way to go. Um, and we t- just take a look at those contracts that are signed. I would say probably a BB plus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's got a clear MO, which is trying to go for players that that have a discount for some kind of, for some reason or other, you know, Zadarius Smith type of signings. We're doing the same thing with Marcus Davenport and a whole bunch of players like that this year that are cheaper than they should be. He's trying to extract value out of the market. I think he's done a pretty good job with that so far. We've seen one season of results, and I think the the free agency class for most people who are really frustrated with the draft class, the free agency class and the value we got out of that helps mitigate that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For for contracts, I'll give it like an A minus. I think that's been a, a pretty successful part of his regime. And I think you guys are both in the right ballpark there. Like, look at who he's let go, and we don't know. This year might look worse. This year might look worse. If Kendricks has resurgence, Thielen has resurgence. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely possible to have a little egg on face, like Irv Smith staying healthy and being the Bengals' tight end one, which I think he is at this point. I think. Uh, Yeah, I think he is. But like, if Irv Smith does really well there, I actually don't know if that would demonstrate that Adolfo Mensa made the wrong decision, right? Because they have tight ends on the roster. Right, having Oliver in. And Hawkinson yeah, he would have to be the decision for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have to be like genuinely better than TJ Hawkinson. And then you could go, oh, and yeah. they just shouldn't have made that trade and they should have stuck with Irvin. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But last year, there's nobody who he let walk that I think you're, you have any regret about whatsoever. Tyler Conklin, Chris Herndon, Mason Cole, Mackenzie Alexander, Chad Beebe, Anthony Barr, Nick Xavier or Xavier Woods, Nick Vigil. Like, I don't think anybody yeah. regrets that. Yeah. Um, the length of contract is clearly philosophical to Quasi, right? Like this is not an ownership, like ownership, I don't think decided on a 180 to say, all right, we want shorter commitments. We don't want these guys around for five years. Like this mm-hmm. is a Quasi thing. Do you like his sort of, I guess, probably team friendly. I would say team friendly in most cases, uh, moderate one to three year deal philosophy. And it hasn't borne out yet. We don't know how it's all going to kind of end up, but do you appreciate that philosophy that is based around flexibility? Uh, I'll say this. I think that he is much more aggressive and I can't tell if this is just a product of NFL trends and he's just a part of the NFL trends, or if this is a distinct difference between him and Rick Spielman, whether or not Rick Spielman would design contracts the same way where he, you know, the GM right now. Um, But, you know, the, the willingness to kind of kick the can down the road in terms of cap hits, um, I'm still a little wary of, of course, we've seen a number of teams do it very successfully. Generally, teams are better off. I saw a really good argument on Twitter like a couple of days ago that um, and the guy worded it like in a really pretentious way. So I think it didn't get as much traction as it deserved. But um, the point that this guy was making was that when you're borrowing money against the future, you know, generally speaking, we like people or governments or whatever are wary about that because of interest rates and having to pay back later. But in the NFL, you have a negative interest rate, right? Yeah. Because the cap is the cap larger. Right. And so 
that I think is a really great way to put it. That doesn't mean you could do it indefinitely. I think that the dead cap hit for um, Kirk Cousins is going to be a big problem. That said, I don't know that the Kirk Cousins decision was wrong, so I can't really criticize that. But I think some of this void stuff, like the Dalvin Tomlinson void stuff, is really kind of hurting the Vikings in some ways. Um, we'll see kind of down the road. So I think that does create an issue um, that, you know, given only one and a half years of the Adofomensa era, I we haven't really seen kind of the results of that play out yet. But that's one mm-hmm. concern that I have. Um, and so the, the short-term contracts, I think, are fine. But being so aggressive about void years really does kind of worry me. Interesting. And that, that started kind of like last year of Rick, right? Because mm-hmm. Dalvin Tomlinson was yeah. a Rick deal. Um, COVID, Rick I think, had a, a huge impact guys. on how yeah. popular yeah. Void years are. Yeah. Yeah. And Quazy has taken that and run with it. And Yeah, yeah. Which is why I think because Rick started using Void years, which is why I don't want to say it's like a huge distinction between the two, because around the NFL, around the exact same time, you know, we saw like a bunch of teams start using Void. It wasn't just New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Luke I wonder if this stays the philosophy in the long term. Um, it feels, it feels like cheap. What? The... It, 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 like, it feels like avoiding the point of the salary cap. Like, I know oh, the, the constraints... you think? I was talking about yeah. the short termness of it. Also. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like, on, on the whole, the Vikings currently do not have the quarterback that they like want long term. I, I think they yeah. basically said that without saying they basically. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if the reporting from access Vikings is correct, you know, that that cousins offered a short term $40 million a year deal, which is a great market rate yeah. given, you know, what we just saw under this quarterback market. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they didn't they want to fully guarantee 2025. That is right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that tells um, them. Mm. So I, I think the goal is to find a way to transition into whoever your next quarterback is and to do so smoothly so that you don't have a situation like the bears are in with Justin Fields, where you suck for the whole rookie contract. Um, but I, I wonder if this is truly, Oh, Quasi's really aggressive about cutting players. And this is like an actual philosophy we're going to see for the next five years. Or if he inherited a roster that he didn't draft any of the guys from, and he's just bringing in his own guys. Like this is to some degree, pretty normal for these GMs to, kind of yeah i mean like know, the cut the out joe, all the all the old guys you know all the old yeah, guys like the joe douglas jets i think a lot of those guys are on short-term contracts too right and um i think the the, the broncos under uh peyton were under uh some pretty short-term contracts so that yeah, might be like a, but, a pretty good thing to keep in mind and keep in mind but but let's say you know they they fall in love with will levis and they trade up and they take him and then i got will levis and the guy and he's supposed to be their long-term guy then i wonder if you start seeing more long-term commitments as you go okay now we're building something that we want to be sustainable whereas right now they want to be maneuverable because they don't know right. who their franchise plus, quarterback is gonna plus be. i mean there's been no one on the vikings whose contract has come close to coming up that you really are confident you want to give a long-term deal to now that's going to happen very soon. Obviously with Justin Jefferson, Mm -hmm. we'll see also if maybe they want to extend Daniel Hunter. Those are two, I think probable test cases where we can say, Hey, obviously they're going to commit to these guys long-term. I think both of us would be very critical or all three of us would be very critical of, um, of a short-term deal for Justin Jefferson. Right. So yeah, um, yeah, that's part of it too. Yeah. It doesn't fly as easily for in-house guys. Because yeah, exactly. if you play yeah. if you play the market, you just choose the guys that will accept that. Right in house, yeah. If there's a quality player, they are going to demand uh, certain things, and I think that you have to take care of your people too, to some extent. So that mm-hmm. that's definitely worth watching. Uh, I want to talk about KOC's deployment of personnel, roster building acumen. After I remind people that we're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, it's America's number one sportsbook. The NBA playoffs are here. It's the play-in tournament. Wolves headed to LA on Tuesday night. Luke Braun territory. Luke's going to be courtside. Wolves are seven point underdogs. Will Luke get punched by Rudy Gobert in the game? Arif Hassan <laughs> hopes so. That's coming up on Tuesday, and you can wager on FanDuel. FanDuel, it's the safe and secure app. You can stack your bets for a same game parlay and make big bucks. It's every line, it's every league. New customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. A no-sweat first bet. So you get two cracks at it if you don't win the first one. You can go to FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
fairly praising of Quasi in the last five minutes. Now, how about KOC? Deployment of personnel. That would include roster build out of training camp and the way he used his pieces during the year. Letter grade, Luke Braun. Well, I don't think he'd give himself a very good grade on this, considering the different approach that this offseason seems to be taking. I think he's making a pretty big pivot from the 11 personnel kind of 2018 McVay approach. I'd probably give it like a D, and I don't think he would disagree. Yeah, that's harsh. I would have given it a B minus, maybe a C plus. Um, but no, keep going. Sorry. Well, I guess, I guess he he there was one year. And he's very unhappy with he like he is personally very unhappy with that year. Personally, I don't think it was a huge problem to be like a three wide team uh, that had, you know, maybe a little bit of a tight end rotation till you got a true tight end one in there. It feels like most of the decisions in terms of like who to start were kind of no brainers. Like Ed Ingram won the camp battle pretty handily. Chris Reed was hurt the whole time and Jesse Davis was not rosterable. Yeah. Um, everything else was like, what What are you going to start Jalen Rager over KJ Osborne? Like kind of struggle to see in terms of personnel and like offensive roster construction, what the real like pressure points are, are there. But mm-hmm. I think the idea of being a super 11 personnel only going for that illusion of complexity thing where it's, it's a whole bunch of the same, uh, personnel, which makes it hard to read, but then trying to call different plays out of it. I think the run game got a little samey. Um, I think the pass game got a little bit samey. And I think down the stretch, it made it easier for teams like Green Bay to sort of sit in too high, put down a five down front and say, you'll kind of only have two run plays. We know it's coming uh, and you're never going to be able to get that going. I think a lack of diversity in the run game was a huge problem for the Vikings right, well, that so, they are okay. trying to solve. My, uh, my like pushback on we'll this see. Is- uh, sorry, one last thing. I, I, my take on this is going to be driven a lot more by how next year goes because I think for a head coach, in terms of this kind of thing, how you solve problems from year to year is a yeah. huge deal. Um, but I, I don't, know, I don't think Kevin O'Connell's very happy with it. And I think they're taking sure. steps. Ma- to, yeah, uh, major that, changes nice. on both sides of the ball. It would, it would appear. Yeah, Reef, you gave, you said a B minus. Yeah. So the the pushback on this is that I think that the primary problems were not in. The personnel that were chosen, but the the tactics that were deployed uh, and the disconnect between Kirk Cousins and uh, the offense, you know, his hesitancy to go through his reads, his inability to kind of figure out kind of the natural way, the natural timing for his progression to move from Jefferson to Hawkinson to Thielen to whatever. Right. Um, you know, one of the criticisms that we had of the offense, I think, throughout the season was that Adam Thielen genuinely was getting open, was, wasn't getting the ball. Right. And so that to me is not a personnel issue. That's a tactical issue, either from Kevin O'Connell or a disconnect issue between Kirk Cousins and the way that Kevin O'Connell wants the offense to be run. So to me, the issue was not, you know, who they were putting out there, how they were putting them out there, but rather how the plays were being executed and how the quarterback was being taught. Right. And uh, I think that that's fine. I think that's kind of worth discussing. Yeah. I think there's some issues with the run game. I think primarily the issue in the run game was not the lack of diversity, um, that wasn't an issue. I think the primary issue was talent. I like I, I I can't get over the fact that like they they weren't playing well, right? And so obviously, you know, having schematic diversity is going to kind of make it a little bit better. It could make it worse if you're if you're not familiar with what you're supposed to be doing. That's kind of the trade-off, but it can make it a little bit better. But I think that ultimately when you're losing blocks off the snap, if Ed Ingram is getting blown off the there's no amount of schematic diversity that's gonna help resolve those issues, right? And so um to me, I think putting Adam Thielen out there, putting KJ Osborne out there, like maybe they should have been more aggressive about giving KJ Osborne more snaps early on. I think that that would have been fine. That's a criticism that I think is worth putting out there. I think they actually should have been a little bit more aggressive about using CJ Ham. Um, that's fine. That's a that's a criticism. But I think the primary problems that we just outlined are not problems with personnel, but problems with other elements of the offense, whether that's play calling, install, or communication with the quarterback. Like I think that those are the issues not the issues with like the literally the people that they're putting out there 
Yeah, and if it's, that's the definition we're giving to like what do we think about person, I don't know if there's a separate category for like play calling or whatever that may be my concern. Yeah, it kind of runs we, it runs together, but we can get into that. Yeah, if you want. But but if yeah, if that's the definition we're do, going for with like personnel stuff, then it is kind of like everything was basically a given. So it's really difficult to give a grade because it's like I don't know how many if you put a different coach in, how many different decisions would have been made. And if they were, they're kind of like on the margins, all a little more CJ Ham, a little more of this like kind of whatever to me. It, I do feel like they generally tried to solve for poor play when they identified it. Like they, they identified, okay, Jordan Hicks is slow. Let's put Brian Asamoah out there more often. Um, they, they saw an offense. Adam Thielen seems to be losing a step. Let's kind of give KJ Osborne maybe a little more preference in the routes that he's running. Uh, there was one more I had. Oh yeah. Duke Shelley. Duke Shelley's just playing better than Cam Dantzler. We're going to give Duke Shelley the job. I think, yeah, one, yeah, that's solid. You, you should get points for that. That one's not a no-brainer. Um, yeah, and then and maybe the one knock people had was, you know, why do you keep trotting Ed Ingram out there and not Chris Reed? And then Chris Reed does get out there as a center, and he looks bad. And um, maybe they were justified in that as well. So they they did try to make adjustments, and maybe the biggest KOC flaw in assembling personnel was assembling Ed Donatel, and that's that's a decision made so yeah. so early in the off season, and. I don't. I still don't think we can knock that hire too hard. Do you guys? I don't think that that was a like dumb hire based on the way the Broncos had looked the year before. If you look at Donatel's past, I don't think it was a stupid hire at the time. That, uh, that my my criticism of the hire is process oriented. I think that he had the wrong process in approaching that hire. He wanted to find the right defense and not the right defensive coordinator. That's not to say that Ed Donatel didn't ace like whatever would count as an interview or anything like that. Like I'm sure he did fine. Right. But he really limited his selection pool of available defensive coordinators by honing in on what he thought the next best defense would be, which if cards on the table, I probably would have made the same mistake. Right. So it's not, but you know, we get the luxury of being able to criticize it afterwards without having to take accountability for it. Um, and in that regard, I would say, um, that kind of focus results in just a, a limited talent pool. And you're less likely to care about answers to questions like what's your teaching philosophy? What's going to happen if this happens? Hey, you want to switch to new hunter to do this? What happens if this happens? You know, Hey, you know, what does schematic diversity look like to you? Um, Hey, you know, we're always in too high. What does it look like when we do this? I think that you really undercut your ability to, really figure out kind of the candidates that you're getting in there. And if you don't get a good coach, uh, it really doesn't matter what the scheme is. So the, from a process perspective, I, I think it sucks. I think from the outside looking in the resume, it kind of made a lot of sense from us. And so mm -hmm. we we're just like, Hey, this is cool. And you know, Hey, he's charismatic in press conferences. So why not cut up some slack? But you know, I think that just the way that he approached the interview process, I thought was, was, was pretty flawed. Interesting. If, if that is the issue with, the Ed Donatel hire. And yeah, my, my answer was similar. Like I think it got kind of caught up in the, you know, trendy, everybody wants to do this Brandon Staley thing and just kind of like was another team that got caught up in it. Um, then the process of this next defensive coordinator hire should be pretty comforting because they, yeah. yeah, they, they went, they interviewed Ryan Nielsen. He's a cover seven match guy. He, they interviewed a couple of Fangio tree guys. They had, of course, yeah, like they Sean wanted, Desai, um, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, Evero or Ezro, yeah, yeah, and the, and then they ended up going with the the Belichick side, which is closer to the Cover Seven match side, but it's kind of its own flavor with Brian Flores, and it, it seemed v very much like they went, okay, whatever scheme you are, we're, we'll we'll figure that out, but we want to get the right person, and that seemed to be very much the point, which we can give him credit for, even if ultimately it doesn't work out or whatever. Right. Because whatever, if, if Brian Flores doesn't work out, then the problem with that was probably there's, something different. And they have addressed the problem with the last thing. Yeah. It, there's like, um, it would be very difficult if we, we have this discussion a year later and the Brian Flores hire doesn't work out. It'd be very difficult for us to, I think, honestly criticize the hire. There's maybe 5% of sports media, if that, that thought it was a bad hire for the Vikings. It's very yeah. difficult for us to be like, ah, this is, mm -hmm. I knew it all along. It was just bad about hire, obviously. Um, like only you, coach Vass can say yeah, right, he yeah, hates the video guys. It always has basically. Yeah. And so, um, if, uh, if like, if, if we come out of this a year later and we're saying, Hey, that Flores thing didn't work out, we should have known all these Belichick coaches never work out. would have been like, ah, you should have said something then. Uh, yeah. but like, yeah, I, I think that's encouraging. And I think that this actually, all of our discussions about KFC so far have kind of 
moved in the same direction. We're all praising in some way or another one essential quality that I think gives us a lot of confidence in him, which is his flexibility, adaptability, and willingness to self-criticize, right? Willingness to change and move on from mistakes, identify mistakes as early as you possibly can, and adapt. And I think that that kind of internal flexibility, that kind of adaptability overall, this is like the through line for all of our KOC conversations so far. I think that that's really nice that we can consistently say, hey, he recognized this problem. Let's let's talk about it. I- and that kind of thing will bear out more in the long term in a way that we just have not had enough time to see yet, yes. which is why this this whole thing is is really hard to do with after just one year. Like yeah. the the personnel thing, shoot, that could be an A in three years after we go, wow, they had a problem and they fixed it and they had an awesome offense for two years. I'd be like, damn, that's awesome. Great coaching. Here's one adaptation that he may or may not make. I had a conversation with someone recently and they believe that Justin Jefferson needs to intentionally have his snap share or his target share dialed back he's throwing the football he's running the football he's so targeted he's taking so many hits um so not only for the longevity of justin jefferson but for the diversity of the offense that justin jefferson actually needs a slightly smaller role for the offense to truly flourish and we all agree the offense for its unbelievable justin jefferson aspect really was not that dynamic a lot of three and outs sometimes uh, struggled in the middle of the field, struggled in the middle of games was very good at the end. Um, for whatever reason, something kicked into overdrive there, but reducing the Justin Jefferson role for the betterment of the offense. And it kind of like kind of marries up with some things we've been talking about in Minnesota sports recently, where, you know, Carl Anthony towns comes back to the Timberwolves, great player, but also very like needy needs the basketball puts up a lot of shots. And they struggled to reincorporate. And the Minnesota Wild, they lost their best goal scorer for a while due to injury. They looked better without him because just the puck moved moved a lot more. Um, is there a piece of that in your mind with Justin Jefferson? And, and could it benefit the play sequencing if he is not such a focal point? Uh, yes and no. My take on this, sorry, Luke, I just really wanted to get the stake out there. Nope, 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 uh, nope. My take on this is that uh, it would be smart to do that in training camp and practice in the preseason to create as many opportunities as possible. But the thing is, your goal is not to make everyone the best versions of themselves. Your goal is to score points. Your goal is to win games. And it is always more likely that you're going to get more yards, score more points, win more games when Justin Jefferson is on the field than not. And the thing is, for most players, most of the time, I actually think that this is probably a good idea um, because of wear and tear, because of flexibility, because of adaptability, because you have the ability to show new looks and stuff like that, because uh, reducing a player's snap count generally tends to make them more effective in the snaps that they're in, and you have to find some balance. But the problem is, with this particular conversation, is that with Justin Jefferson specifically, we have not found a ceiling. And so for us to be able to say we have to reduce his snap share so that in the snaps that he's in, he's more effective. It's like, well, he was the most effective per snap dude in the NFL anyway. So that, that's not going to be it. Right. And I understand forcing the offense to adapt around him to create a better structure that he can play off of. That's a little bit different than, than what I just described and what you were describing. I get that. But the problem is whatever offensive structure that you create you can't map Justin Jefferson back onto that because defenses will change what they do as soon as he's on the field. And so there's not as much that you can do. Yeah. I would have loved it if Kirk Cousins was forced to throw to Adam Thielen more often. I would have loved it if KJ Osborne was more of an issue uh, for opposing defenses. And maybe we would have seen that more often if Justin Jefferson wasn't on the field, but the problem is he's your first read and he's open that you throw the ball, just throw the ball. So, so like, I, I, I think that this is actually not a bad approach to like a lot of really high level players. I think with Justin Jefferson, it doesn't really work. Cause your goal is again, not to make sure that every player is playing to their best. It's to score points. And Justin Jefferson's on the field. You're more likely to score points. I, I, oh, <laughs> Reminds me of a conversation we had in the middle of the season where I asked this same question. I didn't even have an opinion on it. I was just asking I got yelled at and good. Uh, <laughs> probably by a reef. Good. Uh, he virtually and, punched you. <laughs> well, we, and then we talked to Ron about it and he said, you know, ju- throwing to Justin Jefferson, it's like sex with your wife, right? Never a bad time. <laughs> remember that line? This yeah, is the same. Yeah. 
So here's what I'll say. Hey, the, the amount of control that a coach has over like target share, I think is very often way overblown. The quarterback is deciding who gets the ball and they're deciding based on who's open, right? Um, you can decide who's first in the progression. You can decide what kind of routes you give them and, and how likely those routes are to be thrown. Uh, but ultimately, that's something that is play to play in the quarterback's hands. And it should be, of course, right? Um, and the second thing about this is if we do want to spread the ball around a little more and add that extra diversity, well, someone's got to step up and be the guy that's worth taking snaps away from Justin Jefferson. And until TJ Hawkinson arrived on the Vikings, nobody was really that guy. Then we had a couple of games um, against the Giants, game against the Commanders, where, you know, Hawkinson kind of could have been that guy when those teams were really selling out to stop Justin Jefferson. You could kind of, you know, TJ Hawkinson got 100-yard games, right? Um, but I'm a little bit concerned that your next option is like your tight end. Maybe that guy isn't on the team yet. Maybe it'll be, end up being somebody else. Maybe they'll they'll slam dunk a, a, a draft pick, and, and then that'll be the guy that can be the sort of complement, the foil. Um, but I think, yeah, he was the most effective receiver in the league. This feels like if there's a thing to fix, that would be the last thing. Like if I were to change anything about the Vikings of 2022, Justin Jefferson would literally be the last thing about the Vikings that I would try to yeah. change. And and like, I'll say this, his usage did change with the introduction of TJ Hawkinson, right? His average route depth was deeper. His average catch depth was deeper. Um, they were able to to force defenses to accommodate you know the stuff so you can have those changes and create a more efficient offense without having to take justin jefferson out of it you just have to be very intentional and aggressive about the ways that you complement him and the ways that you punish defenses for over focusing on him so you, you don't have to take him off the field for you to like force yourself to scramble this is not like a um not like a you know you I was going to use like a live in the woods thing, but I guess Aaron Rodgers took all those analogies. But like, this is not like a, you know, you, you go off the grid for a little while and, and and figure out what life is like and struggle and come out a better person. It's not like that when Justin Jefferson's off the field and you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've lost my crutch. Now I'm going to learn to walk on my own or whatever. It's not like that. It's, it's, you can find ways to improve your offense while he's there and make it more diverse and make it so that you can punish defenses, which I think is the plan with this running game stuff that they're, yes. that they're really approaching. So um, yeah, I, I don't think that you have to take them off the field. Maybe you reduce your number of, of passes, right? Like I understand like this conversation is like really difficult to, to really fully tease out because of all of like kind of the analytical underpinnings about the way the run game works and the way that people talk about the run game. But I think that if you can reduce, you know, some of the attention that he gets, put a safety in the box, you know, I think that's better. And that in effect reduces kind of his snaps in a way um, because he's not doing the thing that he's good at, right? But I, I think that that's a little bit different than like taking them off the field. A three-round Minnesota Vikings mock draft around the corner. Good conversation, gentlemen. And speaking of the draft, join our show tomorrow with myself and Luke Inman. We talk about the draft every Tuesday. We have Mike Renner joining from PFF. That should be a great conversation with Fantastic. PFF Mike. We've also got uh, a word from Built Bar. Built Bars and Built Puffs are the world's best protein bar. And you won't believe they're healthy for you because you see 100% real chocolate. You see the flavors. You see double chocolate brownie, churro, coconut almond. And, and you wonder, how can these be good for you? They sound so delicious. Well, it's true. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories. They are high in proteins. Up to 17 grams of protein in these Built Bars to give you that little bump, the little fuel for your day. They're so delicious. They're good for you, and they're available at Walmart and Sam's Club in the pharmacy section at Built.com, promo code LOCKDOWN15. Or check out Built.com and load up today on some yummy, delicious Built Bars. I just went yeah. to BuiltMarchMadness.com, and it says Brownie Butter Puff is the 2023 champion. Okay. I'm glad it was a puff. Okay. I think the puffs are are delicious and deserving of that win. Yes. I Do was you staunchly anti-salted caramel, so this is great for me. Oh, this is great. So are you that's normally great. an anti-salted caramel or just like a built yeah, bar salted thing. caramel? Really? That's that's yeah. rough, man. That's that's you're incorrect. Probably. If you're watching on YouTube, you see on your screen the nifty, intuitive, easy to use Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. As you can see, this very second, the picks are flying off the board. We're picking for the Minnesota Vikings at 23. 
Uh, All QBs I, gone by seven. That's, that's incredible. Addison, well, no, Hendon Hooker is still around. Porter, what are you talking about? Robinson. All, all viable starting quality, <laughs> quality quarterbacks. Oh, okay, we got a, we got a trade offer. Johnston. Yeah. A trade offer. Oh, Ooh, this okay, rocks. Let's, this is a let's great trade offer. This. This, this is like an almost broken trade offer. Right. <laughs> We're moving the giant spots and turning was... our third rounder into a second rounder? Yeah. Slam yeah. that. Yeah. Just to move down two spots? Except this. Right, I like love if, if we wanted to think about this, simulator. if we wanted to think about this, right, real quick, if the goal is to get the Vikings a starting quality cornerback, you take a look at who's left on the board. Don't close out of the same because I think it ends the trade. Um, I was just exiting the. Oh, ad. fair enough. I see what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Um, so you got Keely Ringo and Deontay Banks left, right at cornerback. That'd be you know that you'd be willing to get for the Vikings, and it is pretty unlikely uh, with the next three spots that both of those two were gone. Um, and if that happened. You're still in a spot where you might be comfortable getting Brian Brissett, right, from Clemson. So, like, I think mm. I think mm. this is pretty good. I think we should accept this. I intuitively wanted to accept it. I just took a quick look at the board. I think the board tells us that we should accept this as well. Yeah. Tight, tight, if we can grab Deontay there. Banks after this, I'm doing back. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Nolan Smith, um, another possibility. So, we're going to accept this. The Vikings are going to get 25 and 57. We lose 87, and obviously the Giants move up. We're going to accept it. The Giants take. going to be two corners. Deontay ah, Banks. Ah, we, we got punished. Okay, right. Quazy's wheeling and dealing. Uh, I don't – I don't. okay, right. so this one is in theory kind of interesting, but I actually don't love it because you move from pick 25 to pick 45. Yeah, I don't want to move down to the second round. Yeah, and I mean, you would get a second a rounder, trade. but, like, I, I don't want it. All right, so we're going to answer the – is this Gutekunst calling? Is that who would yeah, call? Yeah, that's Gutekunst. Yeah. Goody? Are we sure it's not it. Aaron Rodgers still calling? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, by the way, have you heard the, the rumor that the new, like sort of the heel on uh, Ted Lasso this season is based on Aaron Rodgers? I oh, mean, <laughs> that's fantastic. If I you haven't... look at him, it's very obviously that mm-hmm. he's based oh, on Aaron fantastic. Rodgers. Oh, fantastic. Man bun, the oh, dribble. Man yeah. bun, weird new age nonsense. <laughs> He he looks a lot oh, like it's I'm very so clear. excited for this season. I'm so excited for this season. Zava. Like, yeah. All right. All right. We're gonna reject the Packers trade offer. Yeah, get out of there. And we are going to select one of Brian Brissy, probably not the tight ends, unless you, you want to go that way. Nolan Smith. Oh, Nolan Smith, I would not hate. Uh what's uh wideouts are available? Yeah. If you can just click on offense and uh you can click Oh, we could get Zay Flowers. Josh Downs. There's uh, yeah, I, I like these guys. These are guys that I definitely would want to take a little bit later. One thing I want to take a look at, though, is with our second round pick, we might be able to grab cornerback, right? Let's take a look at that defense tab real quick and see what cornerbacks might be available yeah, for us. Quick corner. DJ Turner, Clark Phillips. Undersized Clark Phillips, Emmanuel Forbes. Prince. Julius I feel Prince. okay. Yeah, this, is, this isn't bad. I would avoid Eli Ricks, though. That's just not my guy. Not your guy. Um, I like yeah, Jalen Jones a lot. I don't know. It might be a little overkill to take him with 87. Well, no, maybe not. We'll see. Well, um, we have 57 now. Yeah, we've got 57. Oh, so I don't point. think it's going to come to that. Yeah. Um, I really like Zay Flowers here. There's even rumor that some teams have him as the number one receiver. I think he... Well, we were just talking that. about a guy that, that complements Justin Jefferson. He is... Tailor made to compliment. Yeah, I, I would. I actually, I prefer Zay Flowers to Jalen Hyatt, um, because okay. of like the offensive experience. I'm really hesitant about that Tennessee offense, mm-hmm. uh, in basically every respect. I think that Jalen Hyatt's testing uh, also gives us a little bit of a concern. Um, I'm gonna second the Jay Flowers thing. I think that it's probably too early to take an offensive lineman to compete with Ed Ingram, even if you took a tap or whatever. We don't want a tight end. Nolan Smith is really interesting. That's um, the other guy. But mm-hmm. I, I would prefer Zay Flowers, even though by this board, it seems to be a, a decent overdraft, not like a huge one. All right. I'll break the tie here. Actually, I don't even know if, I don't even know no if it's a tie. We both want Zay Flowers. We, we, we both all like Zay Flowers. Flowers. Okay. Yeah. Zay Flowers it is. Sweet. Fast. Gadgety. Electric. Zay Flowers at 25. It's locked in. Brissy is gone. Kincaid, the tight ends are gone. We're into the second round. Hyatt. Downs, Ojolari, oh, Duke Uzama, Harrison. I'm doing the play-by-play. Right, Jones, Jack Campbell. All right. Uh, Adebaware, John Michael Schmitz, Gophers, hey. Simpson, Washington, Turner, White, Sanders, oh, McDonald the fourth. I know my Mark Roman Phillips numerals. Phillips falling. Skinner, Hall, Come on. Musgrave, Duncan, Forbes, 
Tillman, Mauk, Sewell, we Johnson. Okay, I think we got him. I don't I don't I don't want to take this one. So this is a trade from pick 57 to pick 98. We would pick up pick 111, a third round pick and a sixth round pick. Uh, a future third round pick and a future yeah. sixth round pick, sorry. And this is also a it's way too far. This is yeah, a three round mock. Far, so we would yeah. not, <laughs> so we, we we wouldn't have any fun. <laughs> yeah. We want to have fun. So, right, let's so let's say reject no. this. Let's so so Luke is honed in on Clark Phillips. Yeah. I am so concerned. I get it. Best cover corner probably the NCAA last year, right? Certainly the best cover corner of the Pac-12. He's like, he's not even 5'9". Like, it's listed right there at 5'9". He's not even 5'9". He was 5'9 flat at the combine, but yeah. Yeah, I, this is tough. Athletic uh, score 5'5", five, 8". Five, what, yeah. uh, what was he sufficient in? Uh, let me take a quick look at my, um, my spreadsheet. Because if you're going to be that small, you got to be... You gotta make up. So, for it. yeah. So when I when I watched him, that was like the the thing on my mind was like, okay, can I see him being small? I saw when he his he was tasked with redirecting. I thought he did all right with that. Um, in the run, he is absolutely a non-factor. And if that means that you don't want that cornerback, then okay, that's he's probably just like off the board. Um, oh my God, Kalaja Cansey's still on the board. Well, yeah, I don't think I was that. scrolled up all the way. Cansey, boy, Cyrus Torrance, I, 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 <laughs> think about that. Um, yeah, that, but when when I watched him, it was like, can he do stuff that outside corners do, which with, with physicality, like, like influencing receivers. And I came away at least all right with his ability to do that. If not like pretty impressed for his size. Um, I Um, definitely don't think he's a slot only, I guess that's the way. So, okay. So. It's, so, it's not going to not be a thing. Like it's, it's not going to not like when he's got to go try to beat a guard in the B gap as a slot corner, like it's not going to not show up, but the fact, what I was worried about is can he play outside? And I think the answer is absolutely yes, that he can play outside. All right. Let me take a quick look at his athletic profile in my data. Um, Cause I like, I've got two sets of data that like attempts to predict based off of athletic scores, both for uh, shorter corners and for uh, longer corners. So I will say this, his arm length also is a concern. Um, his intuitiveness for, uh, and so outside of the athleticism stuff, his intuitiveness for, for coverage and understanding concepts is elite. It's incredible. I love it. But the, the, the number of corners that are below five ten that have succeeded on the outside is really, really low. I'm thinking of like players like Amik Robertson who were phenomenal. I mean, Amik Robertson was taking down Colin Johnson, a six, five wide receiver from Texas and ended up becoming a Jaguars receiver. And he was just beating him, right? Meek Robertson is just not that good. And he's actually better on the outside than he is on the inside, but he's just like not that good. He ended up turning out to be a pretty good, I think fifth round pick, maybe a fourth round pick, but he's not somebody you would have been happy with his performance in the second round. And this I think can kind of consistently happens with like these younger or these smaller corners, not younger. Um, Your hope is that he turns into like a healthy Jason Verrett, who's also kind of like a a smaller corner that, that had health issues. Uh, That was really good when he played. I am I am so concerned about this. I think I would prefer Kalaja Kansi, another undersized player, but as somebody who had me more comfortable taking round one, whereas Clark Phillips mm-hmm. to me is like a round three guy. So we're probably not going to get him in round three, right? I understand that we're we're punting on a lot of guys. We did take a look at that cornerback group that would be available in round three, and I actually don't dislike it. I know you're looking at Hendon Hooker right now. So <laughs> get out of here, Sam. Aggressively. Waving the We're talking cursor. about good players today. We're talking about good players. Start on right. NFL teams. Look, if Hannon actually there Marvin the Mims is is another crush I have, but anyway. Yeah, but we just got a receiver. I know. I would prefer Kalaja Kanti. Uh, yeah, I would too. I, I would definitely not turn my nose up at Kalaja Kanti. He should not be here on this board. So if we can get him, like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what I will say uh, to that, Arif, is. I understand that there's like a lot more precedent of shorter corners like not working out. Um, and I think that's why, like, that has to color your analysis of Clark Phillips because you have to be looking for can he do that stuff? Um, I think he's a second round pick here. I think he, he's going to fall here because he doesn't have the physicality that, you know, other corners in the class have. If you need a corner and you're drafting high, you're going to take Devin Witherspoon and Joey Porter, right? Those guys can play right, physical. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I still think outside of that, that Clark it, Phillips as okay. like CB six. Um, I'm okay with that physicality as a flaw, 
but I think it's important to characterize the flaw as all right, he's he's struggling with physicality, he's not getting you know crazy influences on his press jams because of his reach and stuff, rather than characterizing it as small corner and small cor- corners. Here's their I'll, I'll say this based off of his particular skill set and how he specifically plays. If the Vikings were running a zone dominant scheme that did not ask its nickel corners to blitz all that often, fine. I actually, that would be fine with me. Here, we're asking a guy who runs a 4 5 1 to be in a man covered scheme or to blitz, right? I, that's tough, man. There's not like a matchup from an athleticism standpoint that he wins. He wins because he's smart as hell, he's intuitive, he's great at tracking the ball, and he studies, right? That's good for a lot of defenses. I think for the Vikings defense, because they're not expected to run a ton of zone, they're expected at some point to blitz kind of their outside players a little bit more. That That's just a tough ask for me. Okay, but Arif, have you considered that if he is a Viking, then we could have a CP3 on the team? Yeah, I, I, I that's that doesn't All right, I'm all. sold on Cansey. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't appeal let's, to you. Let's just, let, yeah, no let's just do this. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to repeat any of the internet memes about CP3 here. This is a family podcast. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, I'm yeah, going with Cansey. I like the Cansey. The next, next Aaron Donald. And you know what? Yeah. Here is my other take on cornerback. I think because you double dipped last year and you have almost like kind of like super rookies coming back in Booth and, and Evans. Like the red flags on Booth are still the same red flags, but he's a year older. That, do we say that in the, the same way we say super senior? What? Like, yeah, I think that was the deal. Yeah, okay, cool. I just, you yeah. know, the same respect that college kids have for super seniors will have for super rookies. Three of them yeah. on the secondary. Yeah. Did, did they even use a year of eligibility? Did they have a COVID year? I think they had a COVID year. <laughs> COVID I think year. we yeah, get it back on the contract as a rookie deal. Yeah. Can't right. see is the pick. Clark Phillips goes, goes to Buffalo. To Utah. Or, sorry, to, to Buffalo. Yeah. Get him out of the conference. We don't Perfect. We don't have to play him now. And then the third round goes by. Let's see if we get a... Julius Brents is gone. So Would anyone make a trade offer where they just give us a third round pick? We'll, we'll probably have to make the trade offer ourselves yeah but it just generously they might just say this, ah, I, I feel bad the vikings don't have oh the bucks got hooker look out <laughs> look out Let's we'll see if he can beat kyle yeah. trask yeah sam laporta to the lions i love watching this little ticker this is a great tool arif check it out pro football network's mock draft simulator uh we'll do this again on the show maybe we'll do a seven rounder arif you got a roll uh good discussions guys on tomorrow's show luke inman back in the host chair We'll talk draft. I've got to figure out how to end my uh, screen share. There we go. There you go. Uh, Luke Inman will host tomorrow's show. We will talk draft. And uh, back on Wednesday with Reggie Wilson and Arif and Luke Braun back with us on Thursday. So plenty coming up this week on the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Thanks for watching. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you. 5,000 subscribers now on YouTube. We appreciate the hey. support. Talk to you next time on the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.